Hey guys, welcome to the Change Up Podcast. Josh and Chad here. This is where we talk about culturally relevant topics, but we look at them through an honest gospel worldview. Let's get it. What's up, guys? Josh here. No Chad. Chad is on vacation with his family in Florida, and we just missed him. We were driving home as he was driving out there. Uh, so today I have with me Pastor Josh Seal. What's up, bro? Not too much. Happy to be here. Podcast takeover. Josh Seal and then Josh, the former Seal. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> that yeah. caused some confusion at some point. Well, I have an E at the end of my name, so yeah, there's the difference. When you say them, though. It sounds the same, yeah. Some guy was like, Josh was not a SEAL. Like, he didn't believe it. And then when he learned your last name was SEAL, they were like, yeah, see? Like, there was a mis- miscommunication. But he yeah. didn't realize they were talking. Because we, we used to do youth ministry together, me and Josh. So, Well, I got to tell you kind of a funny backstory. Actually, I don't think I ever told you this. Going through, since I was in the military as well, going through SEER school, um, did not check the shirt that I had on when I was captured. And... uh from one of my schoolings that I went through, I stenciled my last name on my shirt, mm-hmm. and uh, they assumed that I was a Navy SEAL and oh, gave me a little bit of extra slaps funny. here and there. But yeah. well, I was trying to think because as a SEAL, when we go through training, we have to stencil our names on the yeah, shirt. Yeah, we do the same thing. So I'm thinking because you were Marsart, right? Well, Force Reconnaissance, yeah, right. Before Marsart, yeah, it's bef- essentially it turned into Marsart. They yeah. were the seals of the Marines. So Josh didn't get any credit though, because Marsart people don't write books. Force Recon, right? Y'all don't write yeah. books, so y'all aren't popular. We just eat crayons. <laughs> <laughs> but if you would have gone through training with seals stenciled on your shirt, you would have gotten hammered. Oh man. yeah, that would have not. Been <laughs> I bet. Good. Like we had guys show up with like seal tattoos, and they just got destroyed. They probably did not make it through. Poor souls. Yeah. All right, today we're going to be talking about. Church planting. Josh Seal is about to go plant a church out in Slidell, and so we want to hear all about that. Um, but first, you're, you've never been on our show. A lot of people probably know you already, but let's hear your testimony. Um, you know, where'd you, where are you from? Um, you know, talk about maybe growing up a little bit, when you came to Christ, that sort of thing. Let's just start there. Yeah, so I was born in Metairie, uh, Louisiana. Metairie? Yep, Metairie. And uh, shortly Down after... Road. Yeah, across the lake. Right. And, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so after that, uh, I think I was around a year and a half, two years, uh, family moved across the lake to Slidell. That's where I primarily grew up was in Slidell. Um, and then from there, stayed in Slidell. Parents then moved from Slidell ju- just inside Lacombe, which is right on the border of Slidell where we were living. Still, still childhood was in, in Slidell. And uh, really the testimony of how I came to know Christ, um, both of my parents are believers and they, they raised us um, in the instruction of the Lord. They taught us um, God's word throughout the week. They, we had family studies together. Um, I just thought that was normal. It should be normal, but I thought it was normal. It was for our family that we would have uh, family discipleship. We'd have family Bible studies. We would, um, our dad would sit with us and, and teach us God's word and, and tell us all of, of the truths that are in it. Mm-hmm. And so that's how they raised us. And when I was around eight years old, um, I remember there was this one time when 
we were sitting in the in the living room together as a family, and uh, my dad was teaching us. I think we were in the Book of John. I can't remember for sure, but I think we were in the Book of John. And I just remember realizing uh, that I was not a good kid. That I was a uh, that I had this thing called sin that we all have, but this thing called sin that was. Uh, becoming very obvious to me that I had, even to my siblings, to my parents, and just how I thought, um, I realized that I did have this weight of sin and that there was only one true way that I could be saved from it, um, that it was only through the blood of Christ and uh, only through him could I be saved. I didn't really understand how to think through that myself, so of course I went and talked to my dad and my mom about it. And so later on that night, they sat in the living room with me, and my dad explained things to me. He explained the gospel to me, but then he also asked me questions of what I believed about it, mm-hmm. if I could clearly explain the gospel with him and tell him uh, what I was understanding about my sin and uh, and what I understood about salvation and uh, how am I truly to be saved? Where, is there any other way? Is there only one way? And so he really just uh, very graciously and patiently helped me think through those things. And uh, so that night, I was eight years old, is when I truly came to know the Lord. Um, and then from then on, of course, as you're a young child and a young Christian, there's still a lot of room to grow, a lot of uh, things to work through and think through. And so, of course, I was not a theologian at eight years old. I had a lot to learn and a lot to struggle through. Um, And then around 15 years old is when uh, I was actually at a camp called Student Life. Um, And I can't remember exactly what the pastor was preaching on, but that's when I really started to have a uh, a deep passion for God's word, mm-hmm. uh, even more than I had when I was growing up. And, uh, that's when I really started to, to search the scriptures myself a lot. And, uh, and then from there went off into the military, came, came, uh, on active duty. I was on military for a while and then came off of active duty. And, uh, that's really kind of where the Lord led me into ministry. Yeah. So many things. That's amazing that your dad led your household in that way. I'm trying to do that now with young kids. What was it like family worship time? Like you got four siblings. Like, I mean, it was four siblings. Yeah. So five, yeah, there's together, five yeah. of y'all total. I know, I know. Okay. Yeah. The seal brothers and Hannah. <laughs> um, what was that like? Like, was it chaos? Did your dad like rule it with an iron fist? Was he just like really patient? Just like, what, what was family worship time like in the seal household? So my dad was really good at uh, also family discipline. (laughs) Um, And so of course there were times I'm sure my dad could tell us a little bit clear because I was a child at the time. I probably didn't even think about the the chaos. I was probably part of the chaos. Um, But yeah, he was, uh, there was definitely a a time where we would, we would just be able to see the look that our, our dad would give us and know that if we didn't behave that we would either get flicked or get spanked or there would be some kind of consequence because we are being disobedient or misbehaving. So um, the times that we did have, I'm sure there were times of of chaos or it was hard um, to get through, but you'd have to ask my dad about that because I was probably part of the chaos. I need him to teach me to look. Yeah, I'm trying to learn that look. My look is like always covering up a smile because even though my kids are misbehaving, they're hilarious in the way they do it. And so if they see me even like the corner of my mouth turn up, they know like, oh, dad's about to laugh. So now they've gotten really good at making me laugh, and I'm that's why I'm a bad disciplinarian. Yeah, but you have you have mainly girls though. Yeah, too. that's also not, hard. And now this boy, he's four, and he's he's pretty chaotic. I'm yeah. glad he doesn't have any brothers to like feed off of. Yeah. Anyways, that's great. Okay, so moving into the military, I mean, you you would say you were a strong Christian then. 
what was that experience like and what was the decision that led you to do that because i mean my experience in the military was not good as a as a lukewarm christian you know it was it was very unhealthy for me so what was it like for you in the military and what led you into it yeah i would say my time in the military especially on the active duty side um, was the biggest challenge i've ever had with my faith um, the time that I was there with the guys that I was at, I was with on my teams and everything, um, there was only one guy that I truly met the entire time that was a believer, uh, mm-hmm. that was a Christian. And, uh, so I didn't have that fellowship with believers there. Um, I also was, was struggling through how do I live out my Christian walk within and around all of the guys who are completely opposed to it or indifferent to Christianity. And, uh, so it was a challenging time in my, uh, my faith. And ultimately that's what led to, to me wanting to get off of active duty Mm -hmm. is because I saw that unhealth of, of not having the, uh, a healthy relationship or fellowship with believers. Um, and so I, I decided that this would be a time where one, I could come and be back with family, but also I know, I know that I need to find and be a part of a healthy body of Christ um, to where my I would be able to continue to mature and grow in my faith. And uh, so ultimately that's what led to me coming off of active duty. Yeah. Uh, but I did stay in the reserves. And staying in the reserves, uh, I started to pursue uh, state police. And mm-hmm. um, I went through all of the testing, went through the interviews, went through the polygraph, went through the physical tests, and uh, did all that stuff. I was set on state police and I had an academy date and everything, but that was also the same time when I started helping out of, at a youth ministry called Ohana Pier in Slidell. Right. And this ministry, my my dad and um, and actually a couple of his friends, they started this ministry when I was a student, um, when I was a teenager, essentially. And uh, so I, they had asked me to help kind of manage it and uh, and lead it, and so I did. All just thinking this would be a, a great ministry to be a part of. Uh, maybe get a little bit of pay as well while I'm waiting for the state police. Right. And uh, but sure enough, God was using that to direct me into ministry. So ministry um, wasn't even an option before no, that. It was not on my mind. Never even thought it would be anything I would ever use me for. I never even thought about ministry uh, vocationally ever. Right. And uh, so, but I, as I was helping out uh, there and really getting to know some of the students, um, I was really heartbroken over the, the students that were there, mm-hmm. the lives that they, they were living. Um, but additionally, the, the lives that they were living with their parents. Most of their parents were either in and out of prison, on and off of drugs. Um, they had parents that just didn't care about them. Right. So they would come to this ministry to kind of uh, get away and to ha- hang out with other friends their age. These kids were, there was a 13-year-old kid um, that was dealing drugs that we had we had found drugs and scales in his bag. They had kids that had witnessed their parents overdose on drugs and die. They have kids that have witnessed their parents attempt suicide at the age of ten. Wow. and um, and so that's where I was just really heartbroken over the community of Slidell and the teens that are there. Um, but also God used me to, to and graciously used me to lead several of these students to Christ. And, um, and from that point, whenever the first kid, I can't remember, I'll never forget Tristan, um, is his name and you've probably met him before. And, um, but the time that I got to spend with him and get to hear his life story and share the, share the gospel with him and see him come to truly know the Lord, uh, was that turning point, that switch that 
completely focus on state police went out the window. I said, I'm not going to the academy. I'm not going to this state. Uh, I'm going to stay here and I'm going to uh, pursue ministry and see where the Lord leads this. And uh, that's also around the time when I started attending the field church. Right. And uh, Pastor Chad started to disciple me. Uh, we were going through the book of John um, and then we continued discipleship after that. Um, and then that's when um, really started transitioning from uh, from just bivocational ministry to more vocational ministry and came on staff at the field church. And I was the youth pastor here for quite a while. And then that's what leads into, I guess, the real talk is church planting. Right. Yeah. So I guess like talk through that. I mean, because one, you, you didn't even see yourself in ministry and it just kind of like naturally came about. So mm-hmm. how your time at the field, how did that kind of um, guide you into having a desire to plant a church is that something like you knew early on or is that yeah no that was stuff i was still thinking through early on of is this where god wants me to go permanently does he really to the field to the the field right and then really staying in ministry long term yeah um i i wasn't 100 certain i just knew that this was the, the passion that god clearly has placed on my heart to to spend the rest of my life sharing the gospel mm-hmm. with people and uh, teaching truth and being there for for counseling issues or for um, just sharing God's word with with people. That's where I, I knew that that's the direction He was leading me to go. I had no clue that this would be the direction it would it would come to. Right. And uh, and so as I was just going through and and. Uh, and seeing how God would use this and and guide me to to ministry, um, as just sitting under the wisdom and teaching of Pastor Sam and Pastor Chad and uh, picking their brains and reading a lot of books and mm-hmm. studying God's Word and uh, even going to seminary and all those different things is where really God started to make very clear that um, that ministry and more specifically pastoral ministry was where He was going to keep me. And, uh, and so now, yeah, and that, that wasn't really what I knew yet, but it was becoming clear over the years. It's th- like the natural progression. Yeah. Unless you're going to be a youth pastor forever. Right. Yeah. It was just, yeah, it was definitely the natural progression I would say. And, um, and it's, it's funny to think through now because, um, there's no way I could have planned this out myself. Right. <laughs> uh, even, uh, even if somebody were to say that, oh, well, you just kind of thought this through and planned it out. I didn't. I didn't have a plan at all. I was just kind of going with it and, and trusting God as we went. And uh, these things kind of just uh, is where God led me to go. Well, yeah. tell us some of the basics. Name of the church, where you're going to be located, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Yeah, so the name of the church plant uh, being sent out from the field is Steadfast Community Church. Uh, location, and I'll, I'll explain a little bit about the name. I think it's important to explain yeah, the sure. name. But the location is going to be Slido, Louisiana, this, the city that I grew up in. And then what was the third question? Just any more basics before we get into kind of yeah. the heart behind the ministry. Yeah. And then so... When, like time frame. Yeah, the time frame is uh, one thing we were talking about earlier, and that yeah. was that's going to change. Sounds um, like it's ramping up a little quicker it, than you thought. It is. It's, it's a little scary, So, but... um. But it's a good thing. It's obviously all in, What's God, the plan time all in God's frame? timing. Yeah, yeah. The plan time frame was that the first service would start February twenty twenty two. So like six months from now. Yes. Um, eight. Whatever. Yeah, math. Something. And like that. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> whenever February twenty twenty two was the plan to have the first uh, service, and uh, as of right now, this coming Monday, I'm starting an in home uh, study through the Book of James. 
uh, with a core group of, of individuals. This is this was married couples, uh, singles, as well as children. And uh, the first Monday, we're going to have about 31 people. Uh, the next Monday, following Monday, we'll have about 33 people. And so these are people who are eager to, to get something started with the church plant, as well as eager to really just start services. Right. Um, so things are moving a lot faster than I thought. Um, so I'm thinking that the time frame is probably going to be around September, October of this year for launching the first wow. service. That's crazy. And with um, no building. With no building yet. We do have a space that is is open for us, but um, no building locked it down yet. Right, which is fine. Yeah. I mean, we started in a restaurant. Yeah. So Yeah, this Monday we're meeting at someone's house. What is the dynamic of planting a church being sent from the field? Like, how does that look? Are you autonomous? Yeah, um, so it will be an autonomous church sent out from the field church. However, how that works is um, all the elders, that we have six elders at the field. I'm one of the six. Um, and so when we are officially sent out, uh, myself and the rest of the core group team that's going to be part of the church plant, the field church is still going to be working very closely with us. So the elders will uh, be part of the elder board even of, of Steadfast Community mm-hmm. Church and uh, helping make decisions, think through hard things, uh, give guidance and wisdom on things. Uh, we're going to be constantly communicating to each other. Um, of course, that's that's very, very much needed for a church being sent out. Right. And the good thing is that Mandeville is not very far from Slidell. Um, so that's really the dynamic. It will be an autonomous church sent out from the field, but the field is still going to be very much uh, involved and part of the sending right. uh, initial grounds. And then at some point, you'll have your own elders mm-hmm. and be completely autonomous. But right now, we're kind of helping you guys right. you get set up. and right. Yeah, uh, once we have a plurality of elders right now, Casey, who I'll tell you about a little bit later, he's uh, going to be planting with us or with me, and uh, he's going to be going through the field church's elder process. Right. And uh, so when we do have a plurality of elders, uh, then the field church will uh, kind of uh, really let things loose to us, so to speak, uh, since we do have a plurality to lead the church, but we'll still very much be in communication and update and stuff. And right. I'm sure Sam will come to, or Sam or one of the other pastors from the field will come uh, to preach in Slidell right. and then vice versa. Sometimes I'll come back and preach at the field. And uh, it'll just be very much a, a, the way that the, the apostles communicated when, when they were sent out, or the apostle Paul, when he was sent out from the, from the church of Antioch. You know, we have phones and stuff, so may not <laughs> write <laughs> may not write letters or anything, but... Um, we'll definitely be in communication and keep everyone updated. Um, and then we'll, I'm sure we'll be doing a lot of other things in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so far, what's been one of the biggest challenges or some of the biggest challenges in, in this endeavor? Mm-hmm. The first was really just praying through it, uh, praying through uh, church planting. Um, started praying back in July of 2020, um, really just having uh, a desire for not necessarily church planting now, I was thinking five years down the road, but just praying if that would be right, if the Lord would, would use us to do that, if that was the direction he was leading me to go. And uh, But yeah, from there, July to uh, to really the decision time was in December. I always have to tell everybody this because it's funny. It just shows uh, that I was kind of dumb when I, when I was bringing it up to my wife. But uh, praying through church planting around July and then- Last July. W- last July, 2020. And then, um, well, it's not July yet, man. 
July 1st, isn't it? No, it's the 30th. Yeah, but when this podcast comes out. Oh. <laughs> See, I'm thinking uh, ahead. Yeah. Um, but my what I did is we had our, our baby um, September 2nd, JC. And uh, two weeks after that, I thought it was a great idea to bring it up to my wife <laughs> That I was praying through church planting. Timing, man. It's all about timing. Yeah, yeah I didn't think about that. And, um, <laughs> and, and framing. So her response essentially was, absolutely no. Why did you even bring that up right now? I can't even sleep. Yeah. And uh, so it wasn't <laughs> the best timing. But um, anyways. You from know, this is really hard, like having a baby. You want to do something harder? <laughs> <laughs> well, I wouldn't tell her it's harder because she'd probably be mad. But, um, but yeah, so that's the time frame was when I was praying from July to December and then December before Christmas is when I made it. Uh, Sam and Chad and the rest of the elders were already praying through it. They knew about it, and uh, just told them, "Hey, this is this is clear to us. We're gonna uh, definitely move forward with church planting." And then January, we announced it to the members of of the field, and then shortly after, we announced it to the rest rest of the church on a Sunday morning. So through that process, the praying through and just you know seeking through God's word wisdom, where does the conviction to plant a church come from? Because I know some mm-hmm. people would say, man, there's like a church on every corner. Why do we need another church? Where yeah. did that come from? Yeah, that's a good question because there was a lot of locations I was thinking about. Um, some of the cities I was thinking of was Covington, Abita, mm-hmm. Hammond, and then, and then Slidell. And uh, when I started praying through all these locations, I was even driving through them, visiting them, um, getting to see the the area and what it was like. And um, the main reason why I didn't go with Covington is because we have several families uh, and couples and individuals, members of the field church that live in Covington. So the field is already impacting that area. Mm-hmm. And it is close to Mandeville. So that was my main reason for not going to Covington. Hammond, um, I prayed about Hammond for a while, and I know that's where you're at. Yeah, I totally thought you'd come to Hammond. Yeah, I was I was really considering it. I really was. And maybe that's something God's going to use you one day. But, um, oh, man. Yeah, maybe College so. ministry for life. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> but, um, but uh, yeah, so it just as I was praying through it, I just didn't have as much, not that I didn't have a heart for Hammond, but I didn't feel like the Lord was leading me to Hammond. Mm-hmm. And Abita, the same thing. I just didn't feel like that was where God was leading me. And it left me with Slidell, not to say left me with like it was the last choice, but I had some reservations of whether I should go to Slidell because that is the city that I grew up in. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people that knew me since I was a kid. And uh, I knew the area very well, but that, those were my reservations of was Slidell the right, w- the right place to go? Right. And as I started spending more time in Slidell, even looking at some statistics that uh, the Southern Baptist Convention and other organizations put together, their stat, their statistics, that doesn't mean they're on point with everything, but they were still eye-opening statistics. Uh, uh, the, the main one that really opened my eye to it is that Slidell is double the size of Mandeville with residents. Mm-hmm. Um, they have 57, almost 58,000 residents in Slidell. And out of that uh, amount of people, there's 50.7% of people, according to the statistics, that completely do not engage with any kind of religious affiliation. They don't care about anything to do with Christianity. Uh, They're just completely indifferent to it, which uh, obviously would mean that they're lost. Um, And then on top of that, the others is that it's very, very uh, prominent with Catholicism. 
There's mm-hmm. 22% uh, Catholics there. And then there's 16% that say uh, they're Protestant. But even within those percentages, that doesn't mean that everyone within that percentage is actually truly saved. Right. And so you can clearly see that the, the numbers of people that are lost is far more than people that actually live there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, or, or there's a lot more that are lost than what you would think. When looking at those numbers with Slidell and Outlier in that 50%, mm-hmm. did you think like, I-12, we're the Bible Belt here, like, yeah. or part of it at least. Yeah, it's much higher in Slidell than it is Mandeville. Not to mention that Mandeville has more church plants uh, than Slidell has ever been getting. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a they have a lot of actually they have a new church. I think it's called. I, I don't want to name the church because I'll get it wrong. But they they have a new church plant that actually just planted here in Mandeville, and uh, and then of course the field almost five years ago planted here, mm-hmm. and so people are planting here in Mandeville, but there's not church plants going to Slidell. Right. And uh, and when you think in in with how many churches they have in Slidell, you think that okay, they have a lot of churches there. Why send another church there? Yeah. Why do we need another church in Slidell? And the reason why is because there is uh, the out of the amount of churches that they have in Slidell, there are not very many churches that are grounded on the Word of God. There are not a lot of churches there that are truly teaching the truth, regardless of the direction of the culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are a lot of people within Slidell that are hungry for a, uh, a biblically grounded, expository preaching church. Mm-hmm. And so when I started seeing all those things, it was it was obvious to me that that's where God wanted us to go, even though I had reservations. Right. And um, yeah. That's cool. So you saw the need from the statistics, but that kind of drove your conviction for that area. Yeah, I would say that definitely helped, but most of what really drove to Slidell was just prayer. And um, as I was praying through it, the main thing that kept coming to my mind was my own excuse of why not Slidell? You know, why not Slidell? I grew up there. Why not Slidell? There's, it's not as pretty as Mandeville. You know, all those things were were very, very uh, unrealistic reasons to not go. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then I started praying and asking the Lord uh, to, just make it clear to me where should I go, and Slidell desperately needs it. It's a it's a city that that needs the gospel preached. It needs uh, it needs people who are going to be there um, that truly want to see the lost saved. And um, I just pray that steadfast can be uh, just a part of that. Will your parents come? Huh. <laughs> well. <laughs> Uh, that's a good question. And they definitely want to, but my family, and they probably will, to be honest, but they were thinking, you know, this is my son, he's the pastor. Right. How's that going to be? Um, and, well, actually, and also they're probably faithful members of another church. They though. are faithful members of another church. And of course, that's what I told them. I said, I, I didn't ask any of them. I didn't actually, out of the 31 people, 31 individuals that are going to be part of this first study, I haven't reached out to any of them. They've reached out to me. So right. I'm not I'm not reaching out to people to try and pull them from other, another church. If they're in another church that is, is solid, that is teaching them truth, that they're a part of and they're covenant members of, I do not want to take people from other churches. If they are part of a church that's unhealthy and they're trying to find a church that is biblically grounded and is going to teach the truth regardless of the culture, of course, they're more than welcome to come and be a part of uh, this church plant, but I'm not trying to pull people from a church. And if my parents want to stay where they're at, yeah. then praise God and, and stay there. Right. That's but, great. uh, but I think that they eventually will, but I'm not trying to pull them from it. Right. Well, speak to the strategy of planning a church. Cause obviously to start a church, you need people in it. Mm-hmm. How do you get people in a church? What do you do? 
well. It's a, a lot of being personable and, and getting to know people, living life with them. Um, if you just think about how Jesus did it, the apostles did it, they were in the community. They were living life with individuals. They were having dinner or lunch or you know, getting to know people through life, um, getting to know about their, their, their jobs, their families, uh, letting them get to know about you, your job, your families. Um, and then, of course, being honest about what you believe, sharing the gospel with them. That is the first and foremost thing. Uh, when I first start the church uh, services on Sunday, I'm going to be preaching through Acts first because we see how after Christ ascended into heaven and then the way Luke, the author of Acts, starts the book of Acts, he starts with explaining, hey, look, now we're moving from Christ's ascension to this point of where he has commissioned us to go yeah. and preach the gospel to all the nations. And that's how the church flourished all mm-hmm. early on. It flourished because they were preaching the gospel to people right. and they were being honest and they were persecuted for it. Yes, but they the church flourished. God was adding to their numbers daily. Mm-hmm. And that's how truly a church is going to grow healthily, yeah. if that's a word. And um, I think it is. Healthfully, healthfully, yeah. whatever. It's it, that's how a healthy church. This is church, not an academic. Podcast. Of course, we not. say this all the time. But uh, <laughs> that's how a church grows and be, is healthy as it grows. Yeah. Is the gospel's got to be the first thing uh, that we focus on, and we can't compromise that. That's great. Yeah. What's been maybe one or two of the biggest blessings in this process of church planning? My wife, uh, first, uh, she is completely supportive of it, and she is. Uh, even helping me think through things when it comes to uh, the the wives early on, uh, she's she's going to be starting a uh, kind of a it's like a fellowship with the wives of of the of steadfast. I was about to say st- the field church, but <laughs> of steadfast community church, and um, they're going to be starting um, starting that pretty soon uh, this next, July, mm-hmm. and um, and so she's been helping out with that. She's been very very gracious in uh, sacrificing some of the time that I have to spend with uh, preparing things, getting yeah. things ready. Uh, that's been a great blessing to have a wife that is supportive and behind it. Additionally, another amazing blessing is to have a solid sending church mm-hmm. and elders that are completely behind it and a church that's completely behind it and uh, people that want to see uh, a church planted in a city like Slidell. Yeah. And uh, that was that's just another amazing blessing to have, and uh, of course a, a family. Uh, my family's a, a family that God has completely saved all of us, my siblings, my parents, and uh, that's another blessing to have a family that is completely supportive of it yeah, as well. That's yeah. great. And speaking to that, that your time here at the field, how has that prepared you for what you're about to do? More than a seminary has. Um, to be honest. Yeah, because that, that's an interesting dynamic too. You went to seminary after already being at the field. So maybe you could speak to that. Mm-hmm. Like is, you know, that, you know, experience at seminary, how how that, you know, helped or hurt your your desire. For I wouldn't stuff. say that the seminary hurt, but it was just kind of like I was walking through the mud trying to learn as much as I could. And I learned, not not to say that seminaries are bad, they're great. Maybe it was my fault in how I learned, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I did learn uh, most from and grow most from is from being in ministry at the field church and being under solid leadership um, that, get, that it was not holding anything back. They were continuing to equip us and, and be there for us and train us and show us this is how ministry is supposed to be lived out. 
and pushing us, you know, to our limits, so to speak, of what we should be doing, what we should be striving for, what we should think through, how we're going to answer these questions, how we're going to think biblically, how to preach. Like Pastor Sam has tremendously helped me in preaching, yeah. and uh, and God's used him so faithfully at our church, but not only just to preach on Sundays, he's equipping men to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I've learned so much more from the field church than I have from a seminary. Um, yeah, because you don't get opportunities to preach at seminary. But you can in a preaching class, but it's not not to the same extent, no. Right. But Pastor Sam's given you opportunities to preach even before you knew you were planning a church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just cool how he's invested in you in that way, giving away some of his some of his responsibilities, which is hard to do, I'm sure, as the, yeah. the primary teaching pastor. You know, he now has seven guys that he lets preach up there, which is crazy, but I'm one of them, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is, a, it is a blessing to have that, and uh, you learn a lot through it. Um, and, um, yeah, if I, if I was just learning how to preach from a seminary, um, not saying I'm a great preacher now, but if, if I was just learning from a seminary, I would not be to the level that I am now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they say you're getting better. so Maybe so. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. You'll have a lot of practice. I will, yeah. Tim Keller said the first 200 sermons you preach are trash. Yeah. I will, yeah, I haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> so it's still that trash. That will take me 100 years. I preach twice a year, so I will never. Well, does it count if I'm like preaching to myself? Nope. But okay. if you preach twice on a Sunday, I think that's two sermons. Okay. Well, then I'm getting close. But I don't know. Yeah. What about like youth youth stuff? Oh too? yeah, okay. That's a sermon. And I probably I probably reached two hundred. All right, you're good then. So am I not trash anymore? <laughs> um, what's been the biggest leadership lesson you've learned? Mm, man, I would say first it would be leading my family, my wife, my child. Um, I fir- my first thought when you asked that was ministry leadership as a pastor. Um, that is my main focus too. But f- before that is pastoring and shepherding my family. Um, I've had to learn how to um, juggle time or, or work with time and, and be intentional when I come home uh, to lead my wife um, and and still uh, immerse her in, in God's word mm-hmm. that we see in Ephesians 5. And of course, my, my daughter, she's 10 months old or almost 10 months old. And um, she can't speak, of course, but I still have to be diligent and disciplined in teaching her too. Even though she's 10 months old, doesn't mean I don't teach her mm-hmm. God's word. So that's definitely the biggest leadership uh, point that I've learned uh, through ministry is that I need to be intentional there first. Yeah. That's great because so many guys will sacrifice that primary ministry for their vocational ministry. Yeah, And it's it's such a shame because then you have all these pastors that they've built a big church but they have moral failures later in their life and and then all their their whole flock is just you know well, mm-hmm. what do we do this guy I think he's a hypocrite and so i think it's great that you're that you're making that primary because it's the most important thing right like, we'll speak to the name where'd you get steadfast yeah so um all all of that really came through prayer as i said i was praying through church planting and uh, for quite a while and as i was praying through church planting i knew that it was um, honestly a daunting task when i thought of it um, but as i was praying through it i continuously asked the lord to keep me steadfast through this process mm-hmm. to keep me firm and, and grounded in unwavering or immovable in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I was praying that I was of course reading scripture too and 
reading through first Corinthians at one time. And I got to the end of first Corinthians as I was still praying for the Lord to keep me steadfast through church planting. And I came, I'll read, uh, from first Corinthians 15, but as I was coming to the end of first Corinthians and the end of first Corinthians chapter 15, um, we see this mystery and victory, which is talking about the salvation through Jesus Christ, where death is swallowed up. It doesn't have victory. Death, where oh, death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? Um, and then you get to verse 58, and uh, he's saying, therefore, essentially, the things that I've already covered, this is now what we can look forward to and what we can do about it and how we are to live our lives as Christians. And he says, therefore, in verse 58, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. And so he's just essentially saying, be steadfast and movable uh, in your faith, in your walk with Christ, in what you know, what you have learned, what you've been taught um, after salvation, since you have been saved. Stand firm in that. Mm -hmm. Do not move. Do not waver from it. Don't go to your left. Don't go to your right. Keep your eyes focused on Christ or your eyes focused on the goal for the prize and uh, continue down that path. And then, of course, additionally, it goes uh, and says that you're always abounding in the work of the Lord, thinking of church planting, that I'm going to be doing. This is the work of the Lord. It's not my own doing. Right. I'm not planting the church to make my name great. I'm not planting the church to be a wealthy man. I never will be and never want to be. Right. And uh, I'm doing it because it's the work of the Lord, and I want to continue to labor for him. And so as I was praying to be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, I started to say, why would I not pray that to be the same of the people that God sends to Steadfast Community Church? Mm. And uh, I want them to be steadfast in their faith. I want them to be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord as well. And uh, so that stuck with me. And uh, and I said, that, well, that's definitely the first part of the name. I want that <laughs> to be, I want the church to be steadfast. And then as I was thinking, I thought it was going to be just steadfast church, which some people have already called it that, and All that's right. totally fine. But as I was thinking uh, about the name, if I wanted to put community in it or not, I started to think about what the church was. Uh, the church is the the gathering of believers where Christians come together to fellowship uh, together, to study God's word together, to pray together, to break bread together. It is a community, a community of believers. And we should not forsake the assembly or forsake the gathering as is the habit of some, we should continue to gather together, to fellowship together, and that it is a community of believers. And so I really liked having that portion in there to remind us, to remind myself of what a church is. And then additionally, as a church, we are to be open-armed to the community, to care for those that are broken and heavy laden and those that are lost, and to be an open uh, arms to the community of Slidell. Mm-hmm. and to share the gospel with them, to care for them, to love them, to uh, reach out to them, to be hospitable to them, all those different things. And then if, that's where community came in. So I said, well, that's got to be in the name. And then lastly, this should go without saying, but church has to be there because that is what the gathering of believers is. It's the church it's, that's been divinely ordained by God. That name has to be there. It's the most important part. Yeah. And uh, so that's really how the, the name Steadfast Community church came about and uh, not to mention that when you look up and research the the word steadfast it's all over the bible old testament and new and it never changes its meaning it's the same thing yeah that's awesome are you ready you feel equipped 
Yeah, we were talking about this earlier too. Are you, uh, like, as, is as, there last minute cramming you do before planning a church? Like, I'm, oh well, I mean, so it wasn't supposed to be last minute cramming. Right. So no, I'm not last minute cramming. But um, the timeline that I had of February 2022 has um, just seemingly uh, sped up a little bit, mm-hmm. and um, or a lot. And so yeah, it, it in some ways I want to say let's pump the brakes and slow down a little bit. But this, if this is which it is, I believe, in the Lord's timing, then we just got to go with what the Lord's timing is. Right. And um, so it is a little stressing in some ways because uh, it is moving faster than I expected. But it's also a blessing to see that there are people that are eager uh, to be a part of a church um, that's going to teach God's word, that's going to stand on his word. And so it's it's also encouraging. Yeah. It's stressing, but it is encouraging too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, love that he talks about being steadfast in the word and and in the gospel and in all the truth that you've received so that you can be abounding in the work of the Lord. Like you have everything you need for this, you know, in the word and you can stand on that. You don't need another leadership class or, you know, I mean, you, you need some funds. I know you're fundraising right now. Yeah. Um, all right. How, do you have a website yet? Like how can people yeah. like if they want to stay involved you know, and hear updates, how can they get in touch and stay in touch? Yeah. So, um, we do have a website. It's, if you just Google steadfast community church, it'll pop up right now. It has my home address. So, um, you can come to my house, (laughs) but, uh, eventually when we have a location, we'll, we'll change the address. Um, but yeah, you can look up steadfast community church, um, or steadfastcommunity.org. And, uh, we do have a website up. There are still things that I need to, to, update on there but there's a lot of information on there already uh it has the brief explanation of the meaning of the name of the church um it has me a picture of me and and the leadership on there um it has a lot of our beliefs on there our uh state of faith our faith statement or a doctrine doctrinal statement um and then um they have resources tab which i haven't put any resources on there yet but there will be resources up there soon and then, of course, there is a giving giving tab for those that want to support uh, Steadfast Community Church. Yeah, what does that look like? I mean, are, you're trying to fundraise now, so maybe talk through that. And if someone is feeling led to give, how they can do that? Yeah, um, yeah. So right now, we're we're trying to raise fifteen thousand a month, and what that does is cover a lot of the cost for the church. It also provides salary for. Uh, the staff uh, or myself and uh, Casey who will be planting with us for All our right, families. Yeah. Tell us about Casey um, too when you're done with that. Yeah, and so it'll raise that, but then of course, and most importantly, it'll raise support for the church for us to be able to secure a location, a meeting location for us to purchase equipment uh, that we need for us to uh, pay rent, to uh, buy chairs, to uh, buy Bibles, to uh, continue to provide supplies that we need, whether it be uh, office supplies or bulletins or uh, door hangers or et cetera. Those things are constantly expenses that we need. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's what we're trying to raise, 15000 a month. And our goal is to raise it by the end of July, and that's coming up real soon. But, um, but yeah, so there is a giving tab. And then how you can uh, keep in contact or at least keep updated, even if you don't, even if you don't support financially, it's totally fine. We ask that people continue to uh, support and prayer and continue to diligently pray for Steadfast Community Church and how you can be at least monthly updated is we have a newsletter that we send out. And okay. so you can get on our website, you can email me. Uh, I have my email up there. You can email me uh, saying that you want to receive the monthly newsletter and just uh, give us your email and I'll put you in our, our thread and we'll 
we'll email you our monthly updates and uh we just sent our first one out yesterday awesome and uh so yeah that's uh really how you can stay up to date and how you can support in different ways good deal well this should have went earlier but go ahead and tell us about casey like i just learned about this today so i didn't know your cope co-planting with somebody yeah so casey um casey rushing um i met him uh through ministry uh actually through seminary too and uh we got to really know each other through greek class and um just he's really cool down to earth guy super humble guy and um he used to reach out to me from time to time to pick my brain with youth ministry and uh so pretty recently not too long ago it was maybe two three months ago he uh, he reached out to me uh, about uh, youth ministry questions, so we went to to sit down at PJ's Coffee in Mandeville, and um, and he started you know saying what he's thinking through. His desire for youth ministry was very much aligned with the field churches and with mine of family ministry model. That's yeah. what he was striving to do, but it wasn't uh, working at his church. There, you know, some of the leadership of the church was not supportive of it, and it just wasn't taking root. And he was asking how. To do that, and so I explained to him our family ministry model and really biblically why we moved to that. Mm-hmm. And then I also shared to him that uh, with that change, now I'm actually I've been praying through, and now I'm moving into church planting. And I just mentioned that to him once, and then not too long after that, we met again, and he asked me a little bit about church planting, and he had uh, he had had a passion for church planting for years, and um, him and his wife both, and they were thinking Africa or Maine or somewhere. Uh, distant from here. Africa or Maine, okay. Well, I know two different locations, but <laughs> still quite far away from Louisiana. Yes. And uh, so they were Get thinking... out of here. Or Europe or something like that. They were thinking somewhere different. And yeah. um, and they just had some recent family uh, things that happened that are going to keep them here. And um, and so as I was talking to him about church planting, and he had a passion for that and a desire for that, and also a great desire to see family ministry uh, flourish in the church, um, we had just kind of entertained the thought of him coming and be a part of Steadfast Community Church. And I just told him and his wife to, to pray about it and spend time praying about it. No rush on time. Um, even if you end up coming back saying, no, we're not going to be a part of this. You know, I want them to be where the Lord's going to lead them to be. Yeah. And he, I think it was only a week. They, they were praying, diligently praying daily, and they were truly seeking the Lord, but they just knew that that's where they wanted to be, what they wanted to be a part of. And um, so he messaged me the week after and said, hey, man, we, we have been praying about this and we would love to be a part of the church plant in Slidell. During that time of prayer, they also visited Slidell. They spent time out there to see the area and uh, got to uh, meet several people out there too. And I think that's how the Lord used that to kind of uh, really uh, convict them in their hearts that they would, that would be a part of them. And so, yeah, we met together again and uh, thought through it and how that would work out. And uh, from that point on, Casey's been a part of the initial planting of Steadfast Community Church. He's helped me tremendously with things. Um, the newsletter is really uh, credited to him. He did all the work on that. I just put words on it. Nice. And um, and so he, he's been helping out a lot, and uh, I'm really excited to have him. He's a, he's a very humble guy, and if you ever get a chance to meet him, you'll see what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's great. Well, cool, man. Thanks so much for the update. Um, just to remind people, Steadfast Community Church, we'll put a link below in the um, in the show notes. You guys can check out the website, get on his newsletter so you can uh, get those updates. And we will keep you guys in our prayers for sure. Yeah, man. Thank Thanks you. for coming on. Appreciate it. All right. Later.
Thank you for listening to the Change Up podcast. This podcast is made possible by The Field Church in Mandeville, Louisiana. If you don't have a home church, please come check us out. We have service times at 845 and 1045 on Sundays, and you can find more information at thefieldnola.com. If you found this podcast to be helpful, please share it with a friend or family member and rate and review on Apple Podcasts. This helps other people just like you find us.